BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Yo, I'm comfortable talking to Mark Alford. He don't make me feel like I gotta kneel at a dark altar. His colleagues are cool, things are jolly and smooth. Anything else, it'll be part stupid and part awkward. Stretch is a sculptor, restaurateur, and urban developer who rides a Harley, shows up on national TV occasionally, and gets a big kick out of just being himself. I got comfortable with a stretch outside Grinders in Kansas City to drink in his stories and a few craft beer. Yeah, craft beer, it's, it's actually really funny. To be a craft beer, you have to sell under a million kegs a year. A million kegs. You think you can handle that? I think I, I'm right in there. We're, we're very close to that 999,000 mm. kegs. But So they're still considered a craft beer, believe it or right. not. So all these other guys, the smaller operations like we are, um, do compete with them. You can't compete with them on the level they do, but you have to. So a lot of guys that are doing the, the brew houses, they just sell in-house. Um, it gets expensive when you start distributing. That's where you start losing money. Well, you have to get <laughs> people out to get tap space, right? Tap space, the sales side, you have to have the inventory. And for every tap handle, the distributors want three kegs. So one on and two backups. So you yeah, have to be able to brew that. It is. And we can brew 190 kegs a month is what we can brew if we're running full tilt. on What our makes one beer different from another? Uh, the type of hops that are used, the aging process. Um, but I mean, with so many out there, aside from name and maybe your artwork on your label, how does someone come in and say, oh, give me a Grinders IPA, I really like that stuff. Well, the, the brewmasters, they're artists. I mean, they yeah. really think about what goes into this product. And there's so many variables and strains of all the ingredients, and it's just taste preference. Or they get into the sours or the citruses, or they really tweak them however they want. I mean, they're chefs in the, in their, in the, in the fluid. They're chef, fluid chefs. <laughs> and you just start building slowly. And I guess it's word of mouth, and people say, hey, you got to try this. That kind of thing? Uh, for our beer, you know, it's just like our hot sauce line. We already have a brand and a name and quality products, so people want to go out and try it. We are just feeling the waters, if you will, on our brew, and we'll get into our graphics. I think graphics sell everything, including yeah. the tap handles. It's just like buying a bottle of wine or a hot sauce, for instance, or tomato sauce. Yeah. You go through the aisle, and whatever catches your eye, if it's sparkly and glittery, you know, mm. it, it sells. So it's going to have your face on it, then. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we looked at tap handles that would have bobbleheaded stretches on them. Really? Really? Oh yeah, they just can't they make guarantee. those in China. Yeah, they just they can't guarantee they're not going to rip them off, you know. <laughs> and do what? Make a hood ornament? <laughs> Who knows? You know, I, I think put it'd on be my Harley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so we're out here in this. How old is this building? Uh, the original Grinders building is 1897. So it's an old, old building. It has great bones. We rebuilt the whole thing from ground up, pretty much. Had to put new floors in. What year was that? Uh, we put new floors in about... No, what year did you start here? This is our 14th year, 2004. Well, that's not that long. We I opened, thought you'd been here long. No, nope, we opened that in 2004, opened Grinders West in 2007. Uh, what was here before? These were all automotive buildings back in the day. This whole and block was? The whole block was. This whole area, there was a junkyard over there, there was a galvanizing plant out here. Um, Bar Rusto right here was actually a, a powder coating company called Rusto. 
back huh. in the day from the old photos. And somewhere in the 40s, there was a restaurant in where Grinders was. And I showed it in photos uh, to the city because they came through and said what was there before. And I said, oh, there's a restaurant and you had to prove it. And there's a couple other backstories on that too. Where'd the name come from? Well, Grinders is one of those names. I really liked the name Patinas first. I wanted it to have to do with my skill and my trade, which was an artist and sculpting. So Grinder is a type of sandwich. It's a skateboarding term. Yeah. It's a tool I use in sculpture. It would you know, reference great graphics, and it's also a fornicating term. <laughs> use it in a sentence. I ground her? I, um, actually, it's also oh. a gay app to hook <laughs> oh, up as well. Okay. <laughs> With a Z. I have With a Z. So it's for... So use it in a sentence. Grinding. Uh, you know, grind, grinders, grinding, <laughs> grinding. One, one, ye who grinds. <laughs> We were grinding all night. You Yo, know? grinder! <laughs> Ye, who grinds. Do you get come, some people coming in and go, hey, I want to check this out because I think it's a... That well, you know, out front it doesn't say anything about what we do. It just says grinders <laughs> out front on our sign. And it's even more interesting is our location in Lenexa, Grinder Stonewall. Right. The gay movement in New York City started at the Stonewall in New York City. So we have all these references and we could care less about anyone's sexual preference. If anything, it's been fantastic. It's Bring just it a, on. A, you can't plan that, you know? As long as your money's green. Money's right? green. You're, and yeah. you know, I don't even care if it's green. You can bring your euros in. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take coins. As long as you're not a pain in the butt, really, and well. cause problems, you know? And that's what Grinders has always been. It's been, yes, we're family, but you can be in a zoot suit, a clown suit, a birthday suit, or a shark suit, and everybody gets along. And that's, you know, the philosophy of Grinders from day one. We want a place where everybody can go and feel comfortable about their sexual preference, about having tattoos. It sounds or like not tattoos. Cheers, where it's, everyone it's, knows your name. It is, you know, and I think actually Norm uh, has been here. Has he really? Yeah, actually, you know who well, else? We used to have a place down Lake of the Ozarks. You know? Yeah, yeah. We had uh, the guy from Parks and Rec, Jerry. Norm just went. Like, Norm went. Yeah. And uh, I bet that guy still drinks for free wherever he goes. Probably. <laughs> Don't you think? Wouldn't you like to have yeah. him in here? We had Shatner in here one time. William, we, oh, William he's Shatner. a hoot. He's in his 80s now, oh. and he used to ride at the American Royal yep. all the yep. time. I think still does. American Saddlebred. He was here with his wife, mm -hmm. and they were in Grinders West. And they came upstairs and they said, Stretch, I think Shatner's in the building. So I go down and said, how you doing? I said, love you, great, you know, blah, blah, blah. He said, thanks, you know, appreciate it. I said, have you been the Grinders side? You're on Grinders West. He said, I am in Grinders. I said, no, no. Grinders is next door. It's a little different for me. He said, but I put it in my GPS. <laughs> I just about died. I mean, and that's the best Shatner I got. But I put it in my GPS. That's and, pretty good. You know, and out of everybody I could have ever told that I got to land on the USS Enterprise, uh, would have been him because mm. the USS Enterprise has an aircraft carrier. Um, I got to do a stint with the military on that when I was doing the mess lords thing, and I did, I was so in awe and shocked that Shatner. I got to talk to Shatner, and I very rarely get uh, sidestruck, if you will, from yeah. seeing these celebrities. However, I did talk to Jim Belushi once. He came in. Hmm. But I was on the phone with Jim Belushi when I was doing another gig somewhere and sent him in here. And I was in awe over the phone. And I just called him on his phone. He's like, there's Jim. It's like, your brother was awesome. <laughs> Jim's awesome. I'm sure he loves hearing that about his brother. But, uh, it was cool. I guess they got photos with him in here and stuff like that. But Grinders is that place no, where celebrities right, so can come in and not get slammed. Yeah, because you know? nobody cares. No one cares. Be yourself. Be fun. 
it's an interesting story about how Grinders West got its name because originally you just wanted to do expand. Yep. So and the Grind- city, <laughs> city said, no, can't do it. Yeah, it was. Uh, we were originally going to call it Durs and just separate as a as a Grind Hebrew school dropout. Yep. And uh, you know, an artist, I was just going to separate my sign and move it over. And we still have paperwork that says Durs on there. Uh, but the city did not want you to expand. No, there was some issues with expansion and our liquor license and this alley for that matter. Uh, this is the only alley in all of Kansas City that had to be purchased from the city. Um, because you can't walk from that door to where we're sitting with an open cocktail because uh, you're crossing it right away. Even though it doesn't go anywhere, it's a dead alley. Right. We had to but buy it. But technically it's public. It was public space. It was. And... Payak funding paved it. It's technically right. the city's responsibility to, to redo it. So rather than celebrating the fact that we took a blighted area of town and gave 60, 70 people jobs and generate hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes and revenues for the city, we got penalized and said, oh, you have to do this. But that was the PL and Cordish right, right. and one particular neighbor who was a pain in the butt back then. Mm. So. so you started out here in 04 with this restaurant. You've got a stage area here where how many people can you hold? We here? can do 3,000 people here. About the last 500, we have to lube up a little bit. <laughs> Squeeze them in. And like sardines. It's back to the grinders. Now. There you go. There you go. It's a petting party. <laughs> so you've got some big names here, too. You invited me for this podcast. I know. Right? You invited me. Beer, please. <laughs> Tell me some of the people you've had here that people would recognize their names. Well, this little act called Elvis Costello has played yeah, here a I've couple heard of times. Him. Yeah. You know, he's a nice British fella. Super professional, probably one of my favorite shows. But everybody from like the Mighty Mighty Boston's to oh, Blondie's played here, the mm-hmm. English Beat, uh, George Thurgood, Black Crows, Black Keys, Joss Stone. So a wide array of acts um, to some local stuff. You know, the Split Lip Rayfields and stuff. The Elders have been yeah. on stage here. Um, you know, Why did you want to co- do a music venue? When, was it just about the money? You wanted to sell alcohol? or So, what? to be honest, we had a stage, a small stage back there. And I have a lot of friends who are musicians. And we needed a, a cool place to go. And I'd been to music venues everywhere else. And there wasn't anything going on down here back then. And I actually had a international competition going on for prefab housing to go down the east side here. Huh. And then this would be kind of a courtyard area. For living? For living. And they'd be... Like tiny homes? Before tiny homes? Wait, yeah. Homes? This is 04. 03, huh. 04. Um, so the restaurant was open, and we had this whole call for artists. We had selected a couple um, architects that would do the whole block. El Dorado was in on it back then. We had some real high-up guys from uh, the Percent for Arts Committee, from Dunn, from the KU Architecture, where our judges and panels... And I was going to build residential right along that east edge there. And then I had some friends of mine who also had property in Crossroads, helped build up the Crossroads. A guy named Mike Edmondson and Brett Mosman, who owned uh, the Bottleneck in Lawrence. Yeah. And Brett's been booking bands for, you know, 25, 30 years at that point. They said, hey, you know, we think that that location has potential to really, you know, take it to the next level. What do you think about putting a big stage out there and doing a whole music venue? I'm like, well, you know, I got this housing thing I want to do, you know, make some money and bring some more people down here. Because, again, there was no one down here back then. And so, you know, they, they, they won the straw poll and, uh, you know, I you know, have partners all of a sudden and we built this venue. And that's one consistently every year the best outdoor music venue yeah. in Kansas City. And we really try to treat it like a backyard. We want it you has to have... 
uh, a safe environment. We have free parking. We keep our ticket prices low because we have our own ticketing company. We are able to keep our beer prices low because of that and just treat everybody right when they come in. Now there's always you know, there's a few people, but we bring in to this location alone with Grinders and the music venue, over 300,000 people a year to Are this location here in the Crossroads. Yeah. That's crazy. So again, it generates money, it get, you know gets people down here, which helped develop the downtown. It helped develop the Crossroads, the 16 block area. And you get all these fancy condos coming in, then you start getting the people bitching and whining about the music, but they came down here because, because of, of the activity. This was the incubator. And you know, when you're driving in the town, it says, welcome to Kansas City. It doesn't say, welcome to the quiet little downtown, you know, if you want quiet, stay in the suburbs. Right. You know, Kansas City was a happening place. You want vibrancy. In the 40s, 50s, the... But We're this was done organically. Zero help from the city. So, all right, you know? so now you've, you've done all this work. You're a success. you got Grinders, Grinders West. you got the stage. And now people are starting to want the buildings down there. It's in hot demand. you got people coming in from Colorado, buying up buildings, rehabbing them. Uh, this place, just in the last three years, you can't find a parking place down there. I can't afford to buy anything in the Crossroads anymore. You know, it really started about 10 years ago. It started, the, the motion just started going that way. People started picking it, saying, this is hot, we want in. And locals, you know, might think it's a little expensive, but cats out of Chicago, New York, Colorado, LA, wherever they're coming from, they look at it and go, wow, this is inexpensive. I can really do well with this. And Because so they've seen, like they've in seen Denver, it. what they've done there. Yep. And there's a guy in, in here now, you know, he came into town, bought 16 buildings. Boom. 16 of them. Wow. And, you know, he didn't just sit on them, though. He's renovated them. He's yeah. getting restaurants in. And, you know, one day I told him, you know, I said, what are you doing? Why don't you try something else? He's like, stretch, I'm just riding your coattails. Hmm. I said, well, you know, why don't you uh, Do you try wish you had bought more buildings? Um, yes. Really, you can't go wrong with real estate necessarily. With real estate, especially old buildings, becomes problems. And, again, where we got screwed is the city came through and changed all the taxes you know and property taxes mm-hmm. my property taxes more than tripled overnight and you just can't just so that prohibits so, someone sitting on a building waiting for the value yeah. to go up or yeah. to put money into it to rehab it so there's a lot of stuff but there's a lot of infrastructure problems down here that aren't getting correct but we have a streetcar so <laughs> you don't like the streetcar you know it's here and i try and embrace it but it was a waste of money i love the concept of mass transportation <clears throat> excuse me but i think that the way they went about it is completely illegal. How? Uh, when you have a citywide vote and everybody votes no, and then you create a certain taxing jurisdiction right. um, that, like, I didn't even get to vote on it. Right. Uh, because I don't and live they got here. It passed. And they got, it was like 500 people yeah. that voted on it. Well, now they're trying to circumvent the voters again. Again. Well, when you hire a mayor like with the name Sly, uh, this is what happens. Mm. You know? You wouldn't go to a chiropractor called, you know, snap, crackle, and pop. You know? Right. <laughs> do you think the Maybe voters, you would. I don't know. Do you think the voters of Kansas City are not being listened to? I don't think they're being listened to. Um, I think when they speak, I think sometimes you have to help, but going around them like that is, you're not, you're not going to, I mean, lying to the public is not a way to get something across. And again, do we need a new airport? I'd love a new airport. Going through the process is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Democratic society. Let them vote it the right for it way. and, you know, don't lie about it. You know, that, you know, Southwest isn't ever going to come in there. Changing the street signs out there so it's more convoluted when you go to drop people off and people get frustrated. Not taking care of the buildings. Exactly. I mean, and it, it starts 
easy. I mean, it's a pain in the butt. There's no right and wrong way, but there's definitely legal and illegal mm. ways. And Where did you grow up? Philadelphia area. How'd East you end Coast. up here? I originally came out to Kansas City to go to the Art Institute, Kansas City Art Institute. Really? Yep, that's in how I ended up here. I got here and... Okay. <laughs> 1920. Three, That's actually. amazing. That I got here night before I, uh, day before I turned eight, eighteen. That art institute has really uh, brought in a lot of people, and we—it's amazing the art that we have here. And a lot of people may not know that you're an artist, but if you look around town, you can see your art everywhere. We've definitely littered the town with sculpture, and if not, have helped build them. And uh, the art institute was great; it is great. I worked under a guy named Dale Eldred and Jim Leedy back then, and the sculpture department was world renowned. So mm -hmm. it was the ceramics department. I actually came out here to go to the design department. I wanted to design toys. Toys and, yep. like Mattel toys. Yeah, like cool toys. I love yeah. building with my hands and stuff like. Well, that. your sculptures look like big toys. They are, yeah, you know, or tinker toys and, and I love I love building tree forts you know it's the hands-on mm -hmm. and going through design um, was fun and I learned things right as the computers were coming out in a sense but you know designing vegetable brushes and electric cord caddies just didn't wasn't my deal uh, so well that's where the sculpture. money is to put it is. stuff in in Walmart and Target. Yep. So the American consumer to buy a bunch of shit they don't it, need. It, this is true. You know, my dad <laughs> used to say, you know, you really need to save some money for that one sculpture that you think is going to be great. And I said, Dad, I think all my sculptures are going to be great. So I dump all the money. You know, a couple <laughs> years later, he says, you know, you really need to save money for a rainy day. Dad was a business guy. Yeah. And I'd say, you know what, Dad? I'm moving to Arizona. Less rain. So I moved to Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> Into that argument. Done. Can't, you can't argue with that. You know, function. And, uh, I mean, all my stuff is based on function, you know, whether it's the way I dress or everything. I mean, I can tell you where every nail is. In you don't care what people think, do you? Not very often. You know You know what I got called a couple years ago was um, unoriginal. Unoriginal? And that, unoriginal. And that hurt so bad. That's I like wanted worse. to hit this guy with a hot shovel. <laughs> I mean... I wanted to lay this cat out. I, I was like calling, you know, you could call my mother, who, you know, love your mom, and by the way, the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. Good for you. Um, the worst thing ever, but... But calling me unoriginal. I mean, I spend my day, hours on our graphics, with our graphics team, and coming up with ideas, and building, and designing, and I got called unoriginal. Where does your originality come from? Did you, well, did I'm an Armenian Jew. Family? Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, my dad was creative in his business sense, he always said, and he said uh, that when they took that cootie test, you know, whatever it is, and, you know, back then, you, you know, you shy away from the arts, but they said he was creative. Um, but back then, you know, they like, you either become an engineer, a scientist, or, you know, a doctor. You right, know, you don't go so, into art. No. You can never make money. Nope, nope, nope. And I love proving people wrong. I love, you know, success to me is, my mom's version of success was always ordering, you know, an everything pizza, which is ironic, they own pizza places, mm -hmm. which is a whole other story. An everything pizza, getting it there and going, yeah, I just don't like that. <laughs> That's much success. Crap. That was success to my mom. And you know, she was a big cuss. Yep. And so for me, you know, waking up and doing whatever I want to do every day is mm. kind of successful to me. And I live my life that way, you know. I, I have things I have to do now, but for me, you know, someone once said, well, what are you going to do when you retire? And it's like, huh, You're never going to What's retiring? You know, as an artist, I never get to retire. Yeah. You know, it's that long, that's right. lifelong search for this. That, and it's like, well, I guess retirement is kind of waking up and doing whatever you want to do. So, 
That's what I did. So, so how did you find a wife? Because you have a beautiful wife and kids. How did you find a wife that was willing to go oh, along with that? man, I'll tell you you're like what. a gypsy. It, it is. I am on the road a lot. Um, I was at the Heavy Petting Zoo, and um, <laughs> she was working there, giving out feet. <laughs> the, uh, Today's well, you want me to edit that Mark Alford, you know? <laughs> so actually, my wife owns a flower shop here in the Crossroads. And uh, she's been down there for 17 years. And my studio was a block and a half, two blocks away. And I used to buy my other girlfriend's flowers there. And again, as really? a uh, cheap-ass artist, I decided to date the floor so I would never have to buy flowers again. And, you, have you and then on top flowers? of that, I got married on a leap year. So I only have to celebrate every four years. <laughs> that is brilliant. 14-some years ago. 14 years, which is really only three years ago so it exactly so yeah. it was I had um, so have I bought her flowers um, I make flowers for her mm. and then for our 12 year anniversary which I thought was 12 but it was actually 13 because it was last year because I can't add um, I had a friend of mine make some stainless steel roses pound them out forge them oh, for that's me cool. and they weigh about 80 pounds and he's the blacksmith for a little TV show called uh, The Walking Dead so, really? uh, yeah, which I've actually never seen, but I hear it's a great show yeah, and everybody it watches it. <laughs> it's kind of like a zombie. Yeah, and I've never seen it. It's like, really, you're on TV and you've never seen it? It's like, you know, I, I watch two Even shows. Even I've seen My that. shows and Mark's morning show. That's all oh, I watch. Oh, you're so nice. Yeah, I love having you on because we really uh, get along together. How did you know that, um, when did you first get on TV? Because you've done a lot of cable uh, shows. People will know you from that. My first TV show I had done a couple little, I can't remember if that was really nice. My first national, international, was I'm an MTV, I was on MTV with a band called Guar, G-W-A-R, the performance rock and roll band. And I'm a Grammy nominee for long format video for a video really? called Phallus in Wonderland. And it's his blood spewing axe Not whale. Not phallus. Phallus. Oh, phallus. Yes. All right. As in schlong. Yes, yes. Schlongated. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I remember going home, and my mom and dad I had a little watch party in Philly. Hold on. You're watching phallus in Wonderland with your mom? Well, it was one of the videos. You know, okay. So it was an hour-long video, and there were maybe eight, ten songs through the whole video. Gotcha. So MTV put on one of the songs. It was the big debut, and uh, it was called, uh, I think it was called The Road Behind, which is the tune we did. And I'm on MTV. My ass is fuzzed out because I was wearing a loincloth and some other stuff. You're familiar with Gore. And so I was having a watch party, and my mom, when they finally watched it that night, I'm like, that's nice. <laughs> so that's what you've been doing down there. And, you know, <laughs> this is what you've done with our art degree. I you know? send the doctor. <laughs> Like, that's nice working for a dollar an hour. But, you know, they're still touring. They're a great band um, and gotten musically, you know, killer. And then, so that was in 1990 was that. And then I... Uh, that's a long time ago. It was. And then my first other one right after that was right as we opened Grinders, 2004. And I'd done some other little um, commercials here in Kansas because I was building sets and props for some Kansas City lottery stuff. But uh, my dog was actually on more than I was, and Clevis. And then, so 2004, I did a show on Discovery called Monster House with uh, Steve Watson, uh, Tom Beer's production. And then I got picked up by National Geographic to do some stuff. And then I was up for a couple shows. And then I got picked up and did Extreme Home Makeover. Did half yeah, uh, that, that, a week that. and a half ago. I was just out there for our 15 year reunion party with Ty and everybody, which was a lot wow. of fun. What uh, happened to that show? Why did that die? 
Well, Tom uh, Foreman left. He went and did a couple other shows and then went to reality uh, Relativity TV. Yeah. And Denise Cramsey, who took over, ended up passing away. And I think it was just at its time. Yeah. And then there was a little thing with Ty had a little issues there and stuff. He wanted more money or something? Uh, Yeah, we'll say that. Yeah. But Ty's actually coming back. They're redoing Trading Places. It's going to air here real soon. Really? Ty's back on it. Yep. Huh. And a lot of the old crew's on that, as far as I know, but Ty's on it. And you're on Guy's show a lot. And so, yeah, so I did those Extreme Home Makeovers. And then in 2008, I did uh, the first Diners, Drives, and Dives. And then I did Guy's Big Bite. And then I did a U.S. tour of Guy and got filmed. Then I did Best of Diners. Then I did Guy's Grocery Games. I have a couple episodes of those. I had my own show on Animal Planet. I did a couple bar rescues. Um, Travel Channel, Pizza Paradise, um, Pitmasters on yeah. Destination America, and a variety of other shows and appearances on diners and other you know miscellaneous. If shows. If you had to pick one that you wanted to do and you could only do one, own a restaurant, do your artwork, or be on TV and the media doing shows, which would it be? Wow, I would have to say, you know, as an artist, I get to do all of it. And that's always why I've said I love being an artist or a sculptor. I think if I was doing more media, I think because of my background, I would still be able to do everything as well. So it'd be either media or artist. Because I get the fame, the attention for my work either way. Mm. You know, the restaurant is very rewarding. It's like being a teacher somewhat. You satisfy people all day long, but then you have the pain in the butts. Almost all industry, all businesses, they're all great businesses to be in if you didn't have customers or employees. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, I'm at a point now You've where... You've got great employees, though. They are. They are the best. We have about 180 employees and now. you don't put up with... You know, we, they... Uh, by the way, all my top positions are all women. Mm. All my management... Um, that I have men mixed in, but mm-hmm. right now, all of my management, top management, are all women. It's just, you know, best people for the job. And I love it. I love the fact that I can trust them. They run the show. My name may be on the door, but what's happened with Grinders is become this cult. It has become this entity that everybody feels a part of. No one goes, I work at Apple, goes, hey, way to go. Right, you know, you go right. I work at Grinders. like, oh, really? First yeah. thing is, can you get me tickets? Or, I love your food. Yeah. And this is anywhere you go in the world now. I mean, it's become a Kansas City institution. You know, everyone used to say Arthur Bryant's, which has gone, by the way, completely downhill. You still got to go support them because they're old school. Right. But, you know, we're the city of fountains, yeah. We're a city of great restaurants, great chefs. And, you know, Michael Smith's great, Selena's great, you know, the Kemper's great, all the, you know, uh, Colby's great. You know, there's so many great places, but they don't go, oh, you got to go to Grinders. You got to go here or there, but you can go to Grinders every day at the same time if you wanted to. It's just a different environment. And, you know, they're getting some TV coverage and stuff, but it's just a different kind of brand, hmm. you know? Room 39 and those guys, they're great food, you know, Blue Koi, great food. Um, but it's not talked about the same way. And well, I can't explain it. Well, you have an it's experience like when you come here. Yeah, like a Jeep thing. People closely identify with that. If you drive a Jeep, you're a Jeep person and you wave at each other. If you're, yeah. you know, like if you're riding a motorcycle. Yep. Uh, you said something that was interesting that I thought that uh, the people I've interviewed, they've all kind of had the same thing, and I'm this way too, so I'll admit it right up front. I love affirmation. I love attention. That's why I do what I do in part, uh, and I don't know where that comes from, um, but you've got that. 
you you mentioned that. I you pay like, extra for affirmation. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> but you like people saying, "Wow, that's cool," or "That's a great sculpture," or "I love your food," or where does I that think, come from? What? I love the pat on the back. I yeah. think it's um, far and few between. I think everybody you know you know expects and thinks you're doing. They never see the dark side of everything. I have to live as you do. You know, as a semi-celebrity, I am anyway, um, with a smile on my face no matter where I go. Right. You have to always make it look like it's the best thing you've ever tasted. You have to make it look like you're having the best time no matter where you are. And when you speak out of that character, um, which I do often um, because I tell people how it is, um, they get very offended oftentimes. Like, you don't know anything. It's just because you have a restaurant. I'm one of my worst critics. I know when it's not good. Mm. If it's not right, I don't put it out. Like, I don't have a stromboli on my menu because I can't make a good stromboli. I I have a calzone, but I can't make a good stromboli of one that I love to taste, so Mm. I don't have it on the menu. I go to my restaurants and I try all my different food at different places and make sure it's consistent at each place. But to get a little pat on the back, sometimes I'm so close to it, I don't see it. You know, I had dinner last night with a buddy of mine who I hadn't seen in 40 years. When I moved out of Delaware to the Pennsylvania side in 1978, he showed up last night at one of my restaurants. Mm. And I'm so close to it, I forget how cool some of the stuff is. Whether we're building it, we're making it, we're doing. But when parents or other employees or people that aren't just blowing smoke up my ass uh, respond, or they've read the story on a bottle of sauce that they got in a grocery store and I get an email from it, that's what helps keep the train running. Hmm. That's that fuel that I get. And I really enjoy the anonymous. I love hearing it from everybody else. Oh, great, 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 pat on the back. But they almost always want something at the same time. I love the anonymous people that we've sucked in that have gotten part of it, that get it at Hmm. that point. And that's when I say it's kind of like being a teacher. When they finally click it and it gets it, my kids, my little four-year-old mugwumps, when they click, it's like, wow, that's awesome. It makes you go through the day. It's why I get out of bed every day, Hmm. you know? And again, on top of it, I'm just too stupid to figure it out. I mean, I just do it because I don't know any better. I just boom, 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 bound my head against the wall till, till it works. I probably should have closed the restaurant when I first opened it in the first year. Why? You know, it was it was tough. It, we didn't really know where everybody was drinking and drugs and everything else was chaos. But, you know, we figured it out. I've never had a business class. Some of the people I've hired over the years. Did you lose money the first year? Um, yes and no. Um, you never make money necessarily, but, you know, it wasn't consistent product. Yeah. And that was the big problem is consistency. But, you know, I've also... Where is the money in the restaurant? Is it the alcohol? Well, Grinders is more, you know, it's 60, 65% food over alcohol. Yeah. So it's It can help the ticket. Enough. It's the food and having, you know, what will kill you is everything across the board. You know, we look at labor, food costs, and liquor are the big ones. And then linens. I mean, uh, and, you know, the the theft side of things you know kids stuff going out the back door and, and you know it's not even just the the physical side of theft if someone punches a clock 10 minutes early you get six kids doing it that's an hour of time over a week over a year it adds up uh over portioning um is incorrect years ago i read an article that um eastern or american airlines took black olives off their salads they saved a million dollars a year huh you know, by just taking the black olives off the salad. Can we get two more of these, please? It's an IPA. You okay? Yeah. And uh, I'll take cream ale. That would be a Grinders High Noon IPA. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, so it's being aware of your product and consistency. If I give you a thing of tater tots and I get a thing of that, they better be exactly the same. And we know that it's between 20 and 24 tater tots. 
But if you, you got have, it down to the number of tater tots. It's per ounce, basically, or per weight, right, per right, basket. Right. So if it's over portion and you get one one week, you go to another location, it better be the same. Huh. It has to be. You have to well, know Well, that's your how price. McDonald's did it. It's completely, and they refer to it as McDonaldizing. You can go anywhere in the world, then it's the same. It's exactly, and I've had a cheeseburger in the Republic of Georgia. It was horrible then, just as it horrible now. <laughs> but it tasted exactly the same, you know? And, I mean, people, not, I just don't eat fast food. But I came out of the mountains after that gig, and I was my teeth were squeaking from, you know, living on goat cheese for a month up there, and, and this stuff called uh, cha-cha, uh, which was like, their version of moonshine was horrible but um it's about consistency mm. and you know cigarette breaks punching out punching in and those are the things not just the theft of walking away mm. thank you so much it's over pouring it's under pouring you know it's this should have a head on it just like that so right. thank you so this is you know got two extra ounces of beer in it for instance that's instead an of having a head it on should the- have a head and uh. the beer guys will tell you you need the head to make the beer taste correct so why doesn't it have a head? Blah blah blah. It should never go that high. So that's an overpour, gotcha. and and it adds up. Typical. We you get did, on to people for that. Oh yeah, you have to. You have to. And again, I have. And management I don't think for you're that. an asshole. I am an asshole. <laughs> uh, I learned a long time ago that I am not a good manager of the restaurants. You got to let your managers let the managers manage. manage. Now I go to meetings and I tell the managers if they're not doing it, then we have right. problems. But overpouring and mm-hmm. so one year. We, uh, they got the wrong size glass, yeah. plastic cups for a park. $22,000. For one year in the wrong size glass, you lost? Two ounces at a time. $22,000. Wow. At one of our locations, they had, um, this was a really brilliant one, one of the managers, and he was let go shortly after that because they didn't realize it. If they don't learn from it, it's one thing. We have chips on our menu, for instance. It comes with chips. So if you wanted something other than chips, there was a $2.00 charge for a salad or whatever it would be so they deducted the price of the chips so they're getting these other things for 50 cents huh seven thousand dollars wow and that adds up and it comes out of your kids out of everything family every time you give away a beer someone once said you know every time you give away a beer or a drink everyone's like oh you own a bar now can i have a drink yeah 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 that's my retirement that's my my deal you know that's how I make money mm. is in that beer. So when my friends would sit at the bar and like, oh yeah, I'm getting these great pours. It's like, you shouldn't be getting over poured. That's my problem. You're my friend. Right. You want me to be in business? So out of the, I go into a, a thousand restaurants, a thousand chefs a year, a thousand kitchens. And they're always like, well, I want to open my own place. It's like, why? Do you like making money? Then work for someone else. Do you think you're a good manager of people? Great, then do it. A great chef isn't necessarily a great operator. Yeah, they're artists. First thing they do, yeah. you know, is is they lose their ass because of taxes. Yeah. They and don't they can't manage a business. Nope. And it's a totally different thing. And again, in art school they don't teach how to run a business. You know, so you know, it's like that's why galleries are still taking fifty percent. Mm-hmm. You're you're in real estate, what do you take? Six, seven percent? Uh six percent. Yes. Six percent. Yeah. Galleries fifty. I know. My son who's an artist is dealing with that. Yeah. So, Consultants take but money. you know what's changing is the internet. It's changing that because you can sell your own damn artwork on your own virtual gallery. You can. And it's a lot easier. And I say it, and I'm sure the guys before me said, oh, you got it easy. And then I say, you got it easy and easier because it's all computer now. Where I used to have to put a sticker on a slide and send it out, you know, to a gallery yeah. to get in there. You know, the galleries are completely taking advantage of the artists and they always have and always will. If the artists got together, and I only blame the artist for uh, being stupid, and going that route, that's what it is. You know, have a business sense. And they say, oh, I don't have a gallery in Crossroads. First Friday, 
the first time I told someone about, I don't know, two years later, you just put your stuff on a fence, like in New York City, yeah. outside the Met. I saw a girl selling ceramics out there, and I went over and gave her a big kiss. She thought it was a little weird. I said, thank you for doing it. Just don't kiss me. But it was weird. <laughs> And she was nine. But that's all. No. <laughs> what are you, Harvey Weinstein? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, here you go, kid. Were these pop up like uh, the people are renting the trucks? Yep. And uh, putting their own mobile gallery yeah. in there? Go up and get a U-Haul truck, line it out, do a show in it, and, you know, collect now, all the profits. you have space here. Why don't you We do tents out here. We oh, do tents. Do? Okay. We do tents for artists. The ones that come out and set up. Now, if they sell it in here, we have to take a percentage for the taxes because they're not claiming it, and then right. because the alcohol and the food side. Right, right, right. But out front, we let them do it out front. We let them do it in here. Hmm. So it's it's part of the deal, and you know, it's just the galleries. What kind of motorcycle you ride? I have three motorcycles. I have, well, soon another one. But I have three Harleys, and I have a BMW. What Harleys? I have an O. Three anniversary road glide. Oh, that's I have a '93 Dyna Low Rider chopper. Mm -hmm. I have a '72 shovel head that we're building. Really? And I have uh, an '08 BMW RT 1200. That's the one I took to Alaska. Yeah. And you're tall enough for that bike. You were tall enough for that bike. It's not the Enduro. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't touch the ground on that. I mean, really? I'm on my tip. I gotta wear boots. What's your favorite? If you had to keep one bike, your wife said, "Stretch. We're down to one bike. Pick it." I would say, here's the papers, sign the papers. <laughs> <laughs> go back to Sony yeah, Flowers. Yeah, go back over there. Um, you know, that's a tough one. They each do something different. You know, I love riding my chopper, but I can't ride coast to coast on it anymore. Yeah. It's just, you know, too rough. I love my road glide with the saddlebag. I actually bought it in the desert after I blew up my chopper in the desert. But and it's rode it big. It's a big honker. It's got saddlebags. It's a wonderful bike. Um, it's a dog. It's all uh, stock. It's not custom. Mm -hmm. But a bike to get on that I feel real comfortable, especially in the city, and going long distance is my BMW. Yeah. And to sit up a little higher, you can see a little better. It's got speed. It's got pizzazz. It's got good torque. I would never have anybody on any bike I've ever ridden pull up alongside and show me the boobs, except for when I'm on a Harley. <laughs> so I'd have to Not go with the Harley. Then I'm going to have to go with the Harley. <laughs> well, stretch. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to end it there. <laughs> Thank you for getting comfortable with Mark Alford. Appreciate it. I'm Thank glad you. we're friends. Feel free to follow Stretch at Stretch Artist on Twitter. <laughs> Grinderspizza.com. Franchising soon. Shameless plug. Why not? Thanks, buddy. Thank you. See ya. Appreciate it. I'm comfortable talking to Mark Alford. He don't make me feel like I gotta kneel at a dark altar. His colleagues are cool, things are jolly and smooth. Anything else, it'll be part stupid and part awkward. Do your homework before you talk to a vet. That way you won't get no static camera from tech. I'm on my own planet. I'm in my zone, damn it. I see you.